Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm your host, Ryan Coonerty. As always, a reminder that An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an organization that supports some of the most thoughtful and innovative voices in American politics. I've been a member of New Deal for years, both when I was mayor of Santa Cruz and now on the board of supervisors for Santa Cruz County. You can find us at newdealleaders.org or wherever podcasts are found. Georgia is the epicenter of American politics as control of the Senate will be determined by its voters next month. To give you some insight into the state and its politics, I thought I'd replay my interview with Georgia Senator Jen Jordan. She's an inspiring example of bringing one's life experience into politics. Enjoy. When did it occur to you that there was a role in of politics and government in people's lives that they that you decided that was a path for you? You know, you 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 grew up daughter of a hairdresser, you worked your way through college with three different jobs. What what made politics and policy jump out at you as a as a place where you wanted to to spend your time and talent? So the, the biggest thing for me is that when I look back kind of at my life, nobody does anything by themselves. And at every kind of juncture of my life, no matter how hard it was, I was, I was getting some kind of assistance due to a policy decision um, that had been made by elected officials, whether it's getting free lunch and breakfast you know, as a child, uh, Section 8 housing, whether it was, you know, for us in Georgia, we have something called the Hope Scholarship. And it was originally passed and said, you know, if you get a B, if you can keep a B average, you know, you can have your tuition covered. And I was part of that first class of, of kids who were able to get that. So it kind of opened my eyes and the door to college because before I hadn't really thought about it that much. Um, and made it something that was accessible to me. And so like every step of the way, right, or stu- federal student loans and in terms of keeping the interest rates, or it's, it's all this stuff that if, if you really kind of think about your life and kind of how we go about things, really public policy and like I said, the decisions that our elected officials make can have significant impact on people's lives for good and bad. So that's why it was important to me, because it's one of those things where it's like, I've been given a lot, and I've been incredibly lucky, um, but none of it would have been possible unless there were, unless those Democrats weren't passing those laws when they did, and weren't pushing for certain, you know, public policy, um, you know, initiatives when they did. And so it's kind of a, a little bit of a way of pay it forward kind of thing. But, you know, if we're not advocating for it, especially coming from a place of knowledge and and also gratefulness, then I'm not sure, you know, who will. So that's kind of what kind of pushed me in that area, because I just understood kind of the impact that it had on my life personally. And it's amazing when you think about it, because, you know, we the few stories of people abusing unemployment or public housing vouchers or other things 
get such headlines. But like you're a perfect example of a of a amazing return on investment. So I it's it's I, I think I agree with your gratitude, but also, you know, the the state of Georgia got got a lot back for a relatively small amount of preventative uh, investment to give you the opportunity. And it's, that's a story that doesn't get told enough. I don't think when we're, when we're talking about these issues. No, and especially rural Georgia and the public education system. I mean, it is really the lifeline for kids. I think things have changed a little bit because of the access, you know, the internet's changed people's ability to kind of see outside of their own world a little bit. So that's been helpful. It kind of has broadened a lot of kids' horizons, I should say. But before that, if you, you know, if you never left where you were born or came from and didn't have family outside of a, a certain county in Georgia, didn't have money or means, I mean, that that's all you knew. And so, you know, when you don't have anyone modeling certain behavior or you've never known anybody to go to college or you've never knew a lawyer or you know, anything like that. It's very hard, I think, for for kids to to kind of say, well, that's what I want to do or, or that, you know, that's the path I'm going to take. But for a lot of kids in these situations or in these school districts, the public education system really is kind of their lifeline and, and their way out of poverty. I mean, and, and they can stay in rural Georgia. I'm not saying that you, know, you have to get out of rural Georgia not to, to be full poor to escape poverty, but definitely it is, it is their way to actually make a better life for themselves, which is kind of part of it, right? What you were talking about, the amazing return. I mean, it's the, kind of the investment in public education, I mean, returns, you know, 20-fold what we put into it, because then, you know, kids get good jobs, they pay taxes, you know. They don't stress the judicial system or the prison system. And, you know, it, it, whether you look at it from a moral place that it's the right thing to do and it's what we should be doing, um, you know, for people, or you look at it just from a clear economic data position, I mean, clearly the more we put into public education on the front end and the earlier we can start doing that and in, um, in investing in these kids, I mean, the returns, you know, or just astronomical. I couldn't agree more. So in terms of, you talked about ex- seeing new opportunities. Take us back to 2016, 2017. You're a practicing lawyer with your family. You've got a lot of professional accolades, trying interesting cases. What made you decide to run for office? And tell me about that first decision to go out and start knocking on doors and putting your name on a ballot. Yeah, so I've always been political in the sense I've been really interested in public policy, but I never necessarily wanted to run myself um, because I loved my job. I loved my law firm and life was good, right? But I had a case where an 18-year-old girl was sexually assaulted um, in a dental office. And, you know, long story short, we get to the Georgia Supreme Court and... Um, I'm arguing the case and, you know, the Supreme Court members come out and they're all men. And the questions that they asked really reflected kind of a lack of understanding. Um, You know, uh, in terms of sexual assault, you know, 
what women go through, the resulting trauma, whatever it is. I mean, just a real lack of understanding in part because there, there was a lack of diversity on the bench and a place of knowing, right? A place of knowledge because none of them are women. You know, they didn't even have women discussing the case with them. And I just knew from the questions that it wasn't going to go well. We, in fact, lost the case at the Georgia Supreme Court. And um, I had to call my client and tell her that was it. And, you know, she was devastated. It was at that point in time that I was like, you know what? We have to have more women um, in office. We have to have more women in the room when these policy decisions are being made or when laws are being drafted or just when the conversations are happening, partly because it's it offers a different voice um, and an important voice. So that's when I was like, you know, first opportunity, I'm going to. I'm going to run for something. <laughs> and um, Hunter Hill, the Republican state senator at the time, announced and said he was going to run for governor. And I was like, all right, well, better do it. I guess, I, guess this is, I guess this is my sign. And people told me I was crazy because it was a Republican state Senate district and had been drawn to be, when the lines were drawn, I think in 2012, had been drawn to be, I think, a 58 59% performing Republican district. So, you know, it was funny. It was like when I talked to people that were friendly to me and I would tell them that I was running, you know, it was almost that voice that people have when they hear you have cancer or something. They're like, oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> you know, good for you. Or And, and it was like, no, there's something more going on here. Um and so then we ended up flipping the seat, which ended up taking the supermajority away from the Republicans in the state Senate. And um, kind of look at my race, and that was the end of 2017, as kind of the canary in the coal mine for what was happening in Georgia in terms of um, the transition, especially in the Atlanta suburbs and, um, and kind of the larger role and the louder voice um, that women were starting to have um, when it came to kind of these local or state, um, you know, elections. So, you know, it's it's fascinating looking back at it because, you know, no one thought we could do it, and then we did it. And really, we were just kind of the precursor. We were like the appetizer for, for Stacey Abrams and the rest of them. So, but you could see it happening even then. Let's hope, uh, yeah, let's hope you were the appetizer, and now there's a really big meal plus dessert cherry on top coming uh, in the future elections uh, <laughs> in your state. You talked about the importance of bringing that voice after that crazy ruling in the case you had. And you did it on the HB 481 vote where you got up on the floor of the state Senate and gave a really personal speech about your experiences with pregnancies and miscarriages and the the impact that pregnancy has on women's lives. It was, uh, it got you a lot of national attention and a huge amount of, of appreciation. How did you decide that that was the right time to share your, to share your experience? And uh, were you nervous? What was, walk us through what that was like making that decision to, to bring your personal experience to the floor of the state Senate. Yeah, I really didn't decide um, to do it until 
we were about halfway through with the debate on the bill. Um, I had two different versions of the speech I was going to give, one with the personal information and one without, you know, because I just didn't know. Um, no one had, had read it except for my husband. And the only reason I let him read it was because I thought that, I mean, it's his life experience as well. And I felt like he needed to to kind of know <laughs> what I was going to say, um, you know. And the only words of advice he gave to me was that um, I didn't I didn't owe anybody, you know, that information, and for me not to feel like I had to do it. So um, you know, so I had two different versions, and I was sitting there, and it was just a really frustrating few hours because the debate was kind of the same back and forth. You know, Republicans would say one thing, Democrats would say another. And it was just maddening because there didn't seem to be. And and just for the and just for the for the background of our listeners, so the bill was a was a heartbeat quote unquote heartbeat bill that is being used as a way to challenge Roe v. Wade and choice in the for for not only Georgia but for the whole country, right? Yeah, it's it's effectively an, an abortion ban. It. It says, you know, I mean, when most people don't even know they're pregnant, you know, you can't get an abortion, period. And there are a couple of exceptions, but even those are, you know, a little extreme. You know, we were one of the, the, the states to do it, surprisingly to me. I mean, because normally, or at least the last governor was able to kind of sideline a lot of those social, really socially divisive kind of back and forth you know, debates, but this governor was pushing it. And so, you know, when you have the governor of the state pushing um, certain legislation, you know, it gets on the floor. And so, you know, we were debating it and it was all men, you know, that got up to speak for it on the Republican side, except for the, the, the one woman Republican sponsor who was the only Republican woman in the chamber. And, um, you know, it just was a real lack of of understanding of, of what all of this meant for women. And then also healthcare providers. So it just felt like it was necessary. It was kind of like the, the light just went on for me. And I said, you know, this, this is the right time to do this. And maybe, maybe I can change one person's mind or maybe one person will take a walk on the boat or, you know, something. Because... It really felt like folks needed to understand what it really means to people on a very personal level and not just kind of the, the normal rhetoric you hear on both sides. Um, so, you know, that's why I did it and made the decision kind of on the spot. And, um, you know, by the time I got up there, I was pretty resolved. <laughs> so, you know, it really, I wasn't really that nervous. But but it was a surreal experience talking about things you don't want to talk about, you know, in front of, you know, the state senate. You know, it, it was a really bizarre kind of experience in that way. And talk a little bit about the reaction you, you've gotten from both constituents, and then uh, what was the what was the Republican, you know, your Republican peers' uh, response to it. Interestingly enough, well, they all voted for the bill, which in some ways was, it felt personal, 
you know, mm-hmm. because there there are Republicans that I know and like and respect, and I know that they're good, bright people. And you can even be someone who is not necessarily pro-choice and still think that there are significant problems with the bill. So, I mean, there, there was a way to vote against it. Let me say that. Right. Um, and not not really have your pro-life bona fides impeached. So that, that felt really personal afterwards. You know, I had a lot of folks say to me, you know, well, you know, I think that was really powerful. And I said, well, it didn't change any votes. And the response basically was, but I think it may in the future change some hearts. You know, I think it, it was a gut check for people. I don't, it wasn't going to change anything at that moment because it had become such a team kind of thing. Like, you know, we're all going to vote for it or but I was hoping just to kind of reframe the issue for the future so that maybe in the future if this came up, we could keep more bills like this kind of from coming to the floor and getting passed. That was the Republican senators. And then I was really surprised at kind of the outpouring of support from my constituents and also from women around the country. You know, it's it really is something that every woman has had, every woman has a story, one way or the other. I think a lot of women always feel like no one's really speaking for them. I think in a lot of ways, people or women felt like finally someone was kind of standing up and and speaking for them in a way that really reflected their own experiences. Yeah, I think it's incredibly powerful. Is it Atlanta Magazine that did a profile of you uh, after the after the speech? And it it not only I think tells a compelling story of your uh, experience, but also the reaction that you get out in public from people, specifically women, uh, for being their voice. I encourage folks to go out and and read it. So you talked about the future, and one of the things that happened has happened because of your the strong stance you've taken on a number of issues in the state, and then also that speech uh, is your name has been brought up uh, to run for the the U.S. Senate and other positions. How are you thinking about your political future and where you can have a best impact, and what does that look like? I'm not entirely sure right now. I'll tell you that I'm. Um, had a lot of, obviously, during quarantine, you have a lot of time to think about things. And also kind of seeing the impact of what, you know, this, this virus is having on the state. You know, what are, what are the opportunities in terms of public policy, policies that we could push that maybe people would be more amenable to right now because of the crisis? Trying to identify those and maybe try to get them pushed, pushed through you know, if not this session, the next session. Um, and I think that the policy is is what might guide my decision-making kind of in the future. You know, what office, is it the state Senate? Staying in the state Senate, is that the best choice in terms of, you know, the things I want to see happen for the state? Or is there another office where I think that I could, um, you know, really do some good? So, you know, it's kind of an open question right now because, I think we're in such a weird place because of COVID that, you know, I think we're just going to have to step back and look around and and reassess once we kind of come out of this, or at least come out of it to a point where, you know, we're not just having to stay in our homes. Right. Just get a little bit out of the crisis and 
try to get some perspective on on where things go. Yeah, where where do things go from now? Like, who did a good job and who didn't? Right? Like, yeah. Be, because a lot of the times you don't necessarily want to run for something if somebody's doing a good job. I mean, if somebody's delivering for you know their constituents or for the people, then you know you can kind of step back a little bit. But you know, if if there's been a once we kind of reassess or, or, or able to assess kind of what happened here, you know, if there was leadership or if there wasn't, I mean, I think that's when we're going to see if there might be some opportunities or not. Thanks for listening to An Honorable Profession. Please subscribe to hear more amazing leaders and keep asking your elected officials to be honorable. Boots Road Group produces podcasts. I'm Ryan Coonerty, and because we keep things honorable, No tax dollars were used in the making of this podcast.